Welcome to Backyard Farmer. I'm Kim Todd and I'll be your host for another hour of good gardening. You can get in touch with us with your gardening questions by calling 1-800-676-5446. Our phone volunteers will be happy to help you. You can also submit those questions and pictures for a future show by emailing us at byf at unl.edu. We do need to know as much as we can about your question and include those pictures when you can. That will help our panelists give you the best solution to your gardening problems. You can also watch our video features and programs on our Backyard Farmer YouTube page. You can follow us on Facebook. As always, we have samples to look at to start the show. And Jody, you have pinned something in a box here. I brought roaches. Oh, great. <laughs> Dead ones. Uh, one's alive and eating part of my lunch, so it's eating a little bit of apple. But these are wood roaches. We have several species, but we just call them wood roaches. These ones are Pennsylvania wood roaches. They can be different colors, but mainly they live outside and they don't get, like, they don't reproduce inside if they do get inside. Um, what we have here, so on the far left, we've got the nymphs or the immatures, so they don't have wings. And you can see they're a little bit uh, reddish brown. They can also be black. And then the middle one, we've got an adult female. You can see she has wings, but they're not fully, like they don't cover her abdomen. Beside her, there's an egg capsule, or we call that an uthika. In there can be up to 32 nymphs. And then beside her, we've got an adult male, and you can see it, they look very different. He's got really long wings, and so he can fly. So that is the only one that flies. And they get close to buildings because they're attracted to lights. And so we, I actually found this live one last night when I was at the pet store, and I thought, I am getting a lot of calls of these lately, so I'll bring one in. So you have to identify what roach you have. And if it is a wood roach, then you want to do exclusion, keep debris and vegetation away from the foundation. You want to make sure you've got screens and seals under the doors, clean out those gutters and turn off those lights at night. All right, perfect. Thank you, Jody. Big dandelions, yes. Terry. So all <laughs> spring, I think we talked about dandelions and how good they are and how bad they are, but I decided to bring up giant dandelion or a salsify, western salsify. So this was actually in the ditch, it's gonna open up to a very beautiful yellow flower um, with really nice thin um, petals. They're very pretty actually. And then they become this big, huge puffball. probably something that most people don't want um, in their landscape. Um, you'll have lots and lots of them and they're gonna be much bigger than a dandelion and you can't really just mow them over and pretend like they don't exist like you can with dandelions in your turf. So uh, hand removal um, or um, a broadleaf herbicide would work on this. I think they're really pretty sitting in the prairie. I do too. This is where I, that's where I got it basically. <laughs> All right, thanks Terry. All right, Amy. I see something, but I'm not sure what. I found some spots. It's been a challenge to find yeah. spots. So this is out of my home yard. This is iris leaf spot. Um, so this is a disease we'll see developing on iris now. Um, and we can see it in our landscapes because we're watering. And so this is a fungal-based leaf spot. As you can see, we got those nice brown spots, um, white in the inside, and then dark brown halos on the outside. Now. Everybody has to remember I'm a pathologist, so I like spots. So the best management for this is actually cultural control, cleaning out your iris beds. And me being the pathologist, I actually didn't clean out my iris beds until 
two weeks ago when they were blooming. So providing prime opportunity for disease to come move in there because I like the disease. But if you don't like the spots, that's the big thing is we want to remove all that dead debris. You don't necessarily need to cut your irises back right now because it's a little early depending on where you're at. Just this fall, you want to make sure you clean it out and that will reduce the prevalence of iris leaf spot. All right, excellent. Thanks, Amy. All right, a piece of a tree, Kelly. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I have, a, I have a, a branch. It's a small branch, but we talk about, you know, diversity in trees. And so this is a little bit different tree to select. This is a yellow wood. And I'll show you, this is one leaf right here. So this, we have a compound leaf with eight leaflets. And I mean, I like it because it kind of has a tropical appearance with those large compound leaves. And I always say with trees, there's pros and cons. So the pros with this one is that it is, um, it is different. We, there's not a lot of them planted. Um, it is native to Missouri, so it is regionally native. It has beautiful flowers in the spring, unless they freeze. The flowers are kind of wisteria-like, so kind of long. Uh, chains almost of flowers that are quite pretty. Um, what are the pros? The pros are this is a very fast growing tree, which some people would think that, uh, I should say a con, some people would think that's a pro, but fast growing trees tend to be softer wooded, a little bit more brittle wooded. So that could be an issue with this tree. And you'd really have to keep up with pruning it um, and making sure it has good structure. And ideally you don't wanna plant it in a really high wind exposed area. Yellow wood, beautiful. Yellow we have wood. a couple big ones on campus. Yeah. All right, thanks, Kelly. All right, Jody, first round of picture questions is for you. This comes to us from Underwood, Iowa. He's seen these for years. He has no idea what they're called. He says it's one of the neatest bugs out there, and he's from Underwood, Iowa. Well, I think they're very neat, too. This is called a plume moth, and it looks like a tea for Terry. So yeah, <laughs> it's the tea moth. So it's called a plume moth. They have very unusual wings, not harmful, but yeah, definitely a, what nature's wondrous pageantry. So. What is its larval stage? Oh, look it's like? a caterpillar Just somewhere. Just a little caterpillar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very cool, tea moth. All right. <laughs> Your second one here comes to us from a viewer uh, who we actually helped with a different issue last week. And this is so fun because he was using a hose spigot and a few green leaves came out. His wife used a different one. She wonders why leaves are coming out of her garden hose spigot and they're smooth and they're round. She thinks it's the nest of a leaf cutter bee in there. Yeah, so that is nesting material from a leaf cutter bee and the she just made a really bad decision to try to nest in that cavity. So <laughs> I'm sure she went somewhere else now, but th that's the material that she uses to build her cells for her little baby bees. Um, those are cavity nesters, so they'll find, hopefully she found a stem somewhere in the, in the yard to use instead. And we see their little uh, leaf cutting action on our roses in the backyard farm. Right, garden. so if you yeah. see some holes missing in some of those leaves, then you'll know what that is too, where that ended up. All right, thanks, Jody. Terry, uh, you have two pictures on this first one. This is a La Vista viewer, and he says this is the third year this plant has grown in his backyard. It's bigger than ever. He wonders what it is, and should he get rid of it? Um, should he get rid of it? Yes, that is pokeweed. Pokeweed is a perennial, so if you're just cutting it back at the base or just kind of pulling it up, then you're, go get your spade and go dig it down because it's going to have a big, huge, fat, white taproot and you need to get that whole thing out or it will just continue coming back. And why does he want to get rid of it? Uh, actually, the whole thing is poisonous mm -hmm. and 
Uh, birds do love it because it has these beautiful kind of purple berries on it. Lots of people think they're blueberries, but do, they are not. Um, so birds will actually spread it all over the place. and That's probably how we got it. All right. Thanks, Terry. Uh, one picture on this next one. This is McCook. They've gotten seven to nine inches of rain in the past week. And the plants are going crazy, of course. So uh, here, here come some weeds. And they're wondering about this sneaky weed behind one of the shrubs. And this one is almost three feet tall already. <laughs> so this is prickly lettuce. It's um, just one that you usually find all over the place. It'll be in the Asteraceae family, so very similar to the salsify that I just had. It'll have kind of a plume and blow up all over the place. So um, just, again, get your hand trowel out or your shovel and just dig it out. And wear a pair of gloves. Yeah, it does have a little prickly. If you go far enough down, you can miss the pricklies, but. <laughs> That's almost impossible. All right, uh, Amy, you have two picks on this one. Okay. Uh, this is an oak tree. It was a young oak that was transplanted in March, grew well, suddenly had damage, browning, curling. He's wondering, is it disease or pesticide damage? Uh, and there's two pictures, and I think the second picture is actually taken about a week later. So, so you can see on the second picture that that new leaf growth looks really nice and green, and it's and it's expanding or expanding out. So with oaks, the one disease that we'll run into is. Um, anthracnose, which is a fungal disease, that will cause brown papering, um, and then the leaves will get really brittle and fall out. And we'll see that after rain events. Um, that typically follows the veins. If you saw the picture before, we weren't really seeing a lot of that. We just saw browning of the leaves, which would make me not lean toward anthracnose, probably some type of environmental component. Mm -hmm. um, it has been extremely dry for you guys in the Omaha, it was Omaha, correct? Um, Lincoln. Lincoln. Okay. Drier so, yet. Drier yet. <laughs> so you have been extremely dry in this area. So I would lean toward environmental. It maybe was some herbicide. I, with the way these leaves are coming out, I wouldn't necessarily go that way. I would lean toward more environmental. Keep watering the tree. Keep babying it until you guys get some rain down here in Lincoln. All right. Thanks, Amy. Uh, this comes to us from Enders, Nebraska. And this shroom was growing at the base of a big dead elm. She wants to know what this is. Look at the size of that. Isn't that beautiful? It I is, think two pictures. It is absolutely gorgeous. So I had to spend a little time looking this one up. This is called Dryard's Saddle or pheasant, pheasant's back polypore. And so they call it pheasant's back because if you look at it, the pores on top look like a feather. Mm. And so it has the same coloration as our ringneck pheasants in the area. Um, it's a really neat polypore. If you look at it, if you look underneath it, it actually has a little stalk that comes out that holds that entire uh, upper surface. This, since it is a dead elm, is a beneficial fungi. It's breaking down all that dead organic matter. So it is very pretty. Um, it's helping break down that dead elm so you can replace and put something there different that is alive someday. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Thanks. All right, Kelly, uh, you have one picture on this first one. This is a Lincoln viewer. Uh, red oak was pruned about four years ago. Does not seem to be healing over. The tree is 10 inches in diameter and otherwise healthy. He's wondering, is there anything that can be done now either for the wound or for the health of the tree? No. Well, the answer to the question is no. You don't want to do anything additional to this. We don't recommend pruning paints or, you know, wound dressings or anything like that. Um, the reason it, it isn't, um, 
sealing and creating wound wood like he maybe would like is number one, it's a very large wound. We recommend that um, branches be pruned at you know four inches, <clears throat> four inches in diameter or less if possible. That isn't always possible, but that's ideal. So you wanna really watch your trees as they're growing and prune them when the branches are smaller as needed. The other thing is he probably, it was whoever cut it, pruned it, um, cut into what we call that branch bark ridge and that branch collar. So on the left-hand side, uh, it was cut correctly. That's where you're getting that wound wood. And on the right-hand side, it was probably just cut a little bit too deep into that branch bark ridge. So the important thing is when pruning, ideally prune before they're four inches in diameter if possible, and then make that correct pruning cut. All right, and keep the tree healthy and yes. that's the end of it. Yep. Yep. All right, two pictures on this next one. This is uh, an apple tree in Ashland and uh, several areas that were pruned in previous seasons are now black and they've begun to rot. Amy, what is this and should they replace the tree? Oh, okay, well again, uh, with this pruning, again, it's a correct size, but it almost looks like it was the maybe the central leader, <clears throat> excuse me, and it was topped is what it looks like to me. And that is uh, the tree doesn't have that defense, defense mechanism. It doesn't coat it, that compartmentalization of decay in trees when you just cut across like a, the trunk itself. At least from the picture, that's what it looks like to me. And so it may not ever create that wound wood and it may not seal, you may get decay in there. So it might be best uh, to cut your losses and replace the tree. All right, thanks Kelly. Well, you know, sometimes gardening takes on different forms. If you don't have enough space or maybe your soil conditions are poor, you could try a hydroponic system in your home. UNL Horticulture Professor of Practice Stacy Adams shows us the system we have here on campus. Hydroponics is a fascinating way of growing plants and we're seeing more and more interest in that by homeowners as well as those that are new entrepreneurs. Now hydroponics differs in uh, traditional production systems as we no longer are using soil to provide some of our nutrients, but in our closed system we're using water as the method in which our nutrients are being provided. Now challenges people might have when they move into hydroponics is they need to make sure they select the appropriate system to meet their specific needs on what they're going to be growing, um, as well as for their production environment. Challenges that we often see is that people do not maintain clean water. So they will uh, have problems with biologicals that tend to get in there. So sanitization is critical. That means that we sometimes have to use uh, various filters as well as UV light production systems. Uh, in addition, that we may have to reduce our uh, light that we have if we're going to be growing them outdoors. Some of our plants, such as lettuce, as we have in front of us, require something a little bit cooler, uh, an environment that high sun may cause it to go into flower when we don't need it. Another challenge that we can see happen is insects. Now before we start growing our crop, we need to be aware of what our potential insect problems could be, as well as what the plant might be susceptible to getting. Once again, the most important thing is sanitization and then making sure that we have a plan for how we're going to control any of our pest problems. There are organic ways that we can do that. We can use screens in order to prevent insects from coming in there, or we can use some biological uh, pest control uh, systems, but we need to be able to keep track and monitor what those problems would be 
uh, and be prepared to treat for them. So as you consider hydroponics as a system that you might be able to use for your home, uh, think about the benefits it can do for you. We can grow fresh produce in areas that might be uh, with contaminated soils or we have some way that we can produce uh, produce uh, quite quickly in comparison to what we would have if we were growing in the field. Um, also, we can save on water. As we get into environmental considerations of water risks or maybe water contamination, in a closed system as, as this, we use a lot less water. So if we have to treat our water, um, it will save us money on the filtration process. So hydroponics is actually a fun way to produce plants. It offers us the potential to grow plants when we have limited space available, uh, or we may have soils that might not uh, be able to grow plants very well. The system you choose will be beneficial to making sure that you can grow the crops that you would like to grow. You know, this might be a fun project for you to try somewhere at home. Do be sure to do a little bit of research before you start buying that equipment. <laughs> All right, uh, Jody, you have two pictures on this first one. This comes to us from Omaha. It, it's a burning bush with several dead branches, wilting leaves, white powdery substance. He was going to cut it back. Not sure that will help. Two others that are fine so much. And then I think we have a, a third picture that's also a burning bush. That one's from Underwood, 15 years old, and an odd growth on the tip. So we have the white powdery stuff, and we have this weird stuff going on. There has been a lot of problems with burning bush lately. Mm -hmm. And it could be this one with the, the this is like a witch's broom, kind of looks like a leafy mop, but it's just a bunch of growth together that could be caused by insects or other things. Um, I think they're pruning it off, so that would be what I would recommend. Um, the other things that, it, that, that could be wrong with these um, burning bush, it could be uh, you want them to scale, and it could be uh, spider mites. So the important thing right now is to give it water, lots of water. All right, thanks, Jody. And one picture on this next one. This is a Blair viewer. Quite a few of them on the shady side of the house. They did have an inch of rain and wondered if there's anything to do with it. Um, that doesn't have to do with it, but these are called white margin burrower bugs. And the, the eggs, like there's hundreds of eggs in the soil, so they come out. Um, the adults are like little black looking bugs with a white margin around it. And she actually cares for them. So you might see the mom around, but nothing to worry about. They usually just stay outside. They're, uh, they eat like nettle and mint family. Okay, perfect. Terry, one picture on this one. Uh, several gardens mostly filled with hostas. Two are overrun with this grass. He wonders what remedy there is to get rid of this. So this is brome. Um, good luck. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be one of those go out with your soil knife and your favorite adult beverage um, and kind of strategically go around your hostas to get rid of it. Do not let it go to seed because you will have much more next year. It is an annual. So if you can kind of control it, get most of the roots out, you should be good to go. All right. Uh, two pictures on the next one. This comes to us from Colbertson, Nebraska. And two different ones. And she wonders, are these good or bad? Well, it depends on where they're located. They're, I didn't see where that they were like in a landscape bed or in the turf or in their ditch. But um, the first one is the penicetum. 
So if you want to get rid of it, that would be quinclorac that you need to use to get rid of that. The second one is, I believe, a Johnson grass. I couldn't see the leaf on it, and the seed head hadn't expanded quite far enough for me to figure out. I believe it's Johnson grass, and that would be glyphosate if you want to get rid of it. All right. Thanks, Terry. Amy, mm -hmm. uh, you have actually some peony questions here. Okay. And it's, what is happening? Several curling branches. Uh, this is in Syracuse. She says chemical drift is not a problem. And then you have another one from Council Bluffs that is peonies with sort of this yellowish spots. This newer plant is three years old. Only one branch has it, but the other peonies do not. Do not. So we'll start with this first picture here, which was the second one. You see those nice yellow rings on there? That's actually virus. Mm -hmm. uh, most likely tobacco rattle or tobacco mosaic. Um, it's actually transmitted by nematodes. So to prevent movement to your others, you need to remove that peony, otherwise it can spread to the others. Okay, thanks. And one more picture for you, and this is a Grand Island viewer. You leaves dying and yellowing, new growth present, short and stunted fungus or nope? I would say it's a combination of environmental and that's just what yews do. They don't keep their needles forever. They will die off and turn yellow and drop. So natural needle drop. Um, just keep it watered and you should be good to go. All right. Thank you. Uh, Kelly, one pick here. This is zucchini plant with, with this silver on the leaves. Should they pull it out or is this supposed to do this? No, it's supposed to do that. It's natural and it's pretty and enjoy it. All right. And one picture on this next one. Spaghetti squash uh, has split at the bottom, and this is in Grand Island. Okay. What should they do? Okay, well, squashes will do this. Um, you, sometimes it's, if it's earlier, it can be cold temperature. I mean, a few nights of 50 degrees, so it's probably not that. Um, but real rapid growth um, brought on by, um, you know, increased irrigation or really hot or warm temperatures um, or maybe high fertility. Um, so ra real rapid growth can cause them to split. And um, probably the only thing to do is maybe cover those, uh, that split stem with some soil, and usually they'll kind of re-root there and normally go on and be okay. All right, perfect. All right, so, well, our garden is really putting on a show right now with bright, colorful flowers and containers bursting with color. With the rain we've had, there are a few chores we need to get done, so here is Terry in the Backyard Farmer Garden to tell us more. This week in the Backyard Farmer Garden, we are watching our plants grow. They are looking really well and we're excited about it, but starting to do a little management in the garden. Make sure that you're, especially in those containers, you're watching them, making sure that they're getting watered in between these tiny little rainfalls that we're having so that they are well watered going into the really, really hot parts of the summer. If you didn't put that slow release fertilizer in those containers, make sure that you kind of try to add a little bit of that into it, or you're gonna have to put some of that liquid fertilizer on about every two weeks to keep those plants looking great throughout the summer. One other management thing you're gonna have to do with these containers is what we're doing this week, getting ready for our East Campus Discovery Days open house is deadheading. Getting all those spent flowers off there will really push those new flowers to come out and make all of your plants look fantastic. So stop by the Backyard Farmer Garden this week or come visit us on Saturday at East Campus Discovery Days. Right now, of course, it is time for lightning. All right, Kelly. Okay. Your first question comes to us from Fort Calhoun, Nebraska. She wants to know whether she can prune her Japanese tree lilac 
after it flowers? Yes, you can. And her second question is, will it hurt it if she prunes it before it flowers? No, you just may lose a few blossoms. All right, we have a viewer who wants to know whether cardboard can be used in the garden as a weed barrier, and if so, does it go over or under his drip system? Uh, yes, it can be used that way. Um, make sure it's moist underneath there, and I think you can do either with the drip system. You can have it under or you can have it above. All it's right. your choice. We have two viewers from different locations, one of them in York, who have crispy edges on the leaves of their bee balm. What would cause that? Uh, scorch, maybe. You, you need uniform watering, just right. or high heat, high winds. Perfect. Uh, we have a viewer in Omaha who has three 12-year-old maples with dead tops. He's wondering if he should fertilize them. No, do not fertilize stressed plants. And if they have dead tops, um, we hate to see topping, so don't top. <laughs> All right, nice job. Amy, you're up. All right, let's go. This is a, uh, we're not sure where this viewer is from. She had a dappled willow and it dropped all its leaves after leafing out and then there are these sunken sort of blackish things on the trunk. What would that be perhaps? Canker and it's dead. Replace. <laughs> okay. We have uh, another viewer who has huge numbers of the old cedar apple gall galls on her cedar. She mm -hmm. wonders if picking them off really works to keep it from spreading. It doesn't. You spend a lot of time, but you're not going to make it anywhere. Once they have uh, spent out, they're done anyway. They only do it one year. All right. Uh, an Omaha viewer is saying he has sudden yellowing in spots in his lawn. Does that sound like disease of some sort? We could definitely be running. Kyle said they're starting to see some dollar spot around the area. Um, the other question I would have is if you have any neighborhood dogs that are using your yard. All right. Uh, we have a viewer who has little shrooms the size of a quarter popping up, and he's used something called Disease X, or should he ignore it? Just ignore it. They will go away. Um, if it's in your turf, sometimes it's an indication of thick thatch. So maybe check out that thatch layer in your turf. All right, nice job. Okay, Terry. All right, all right. This is a viewer who wonders, uh, this is an Iowa viewer, wondering whether preen will work in the garden after plants have already germinated. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess it depends on what you're trying to stop, but it but, won't yeah. let anything else germinate. Perfect. Uh, we also have a viewer who wonders whether baby shampoo is a good substitute for high-priced chemicals as a sticker for chemicals in the lawn. Uh, well, I mean, you can use like a like soap for for a spreader sticker to actually allow get that water tension away, so it'll cover the leaf. I guess. <laughs> This is a viewer who is <laughs> sure. This is a viewer north of Ainsworth who has Texas sandburrs. How do you get rid of those? So uh, pre-emerge with barricade, or if it's already up, then use Flozofop. Okay. <laughs> is it a good idea from two viewers here to uh, put in a clover fescue lawn mix as a redo, and if so, when? Good. I don't have to answer that. <laughs> We'll come back to that. I think we're doing a segment on that. All right, Jody, you ready? Mm -hmm. uh, we have somebody who's thinking they have springtails in their garden or their yard now, and are they harmful, or would they be juvenile chinch bugs? There's springtails. There's springtails everywhere. It's June, and it's wet in some places. 
the mulch, they're everywhere. And are they harmful? No, they're not harmful. And if they're inside, don't spray anything. Just dry out the area. All right. We have a viewer in Vertigree who wonders whether cabbage worms would totally eat the broccoli stem and all, or might that be wabbits? Probably those wabbits. All right. This is a Diller viewer who has big out ant mounds on top of old gopher holes. They're red ants and they're, they're giant. Are they fire ants? No, they're probably field ants. All right. Uh, we have a Pierce viewer who has what looks like scale on their citrus. Is there a good control for that? For all scale, it's wait for the crawler stage and then treat with horticultural oil. All right. Um, this is a papillion viewer who wonders whether mint family plants like the bee balms would be attacked by aphids. Um, I have not seen aphids on there, but there's an aphid for every plant, so. All right. Nice job, all. I don't see who won, but I think you all won. How's that sound? Yep. We can live That's with that. Cody won. I did? <laughs> I guess. You had six. I'm shocked. All right. <laughs> Kelly, plants of the week. Okay. Um, well, these are very pretty smelling. So the yellow rose is a yellow submarine shrub rose. And oh, oh, the, the fragrance is beautiful. I wish you could smell it. It's part of the Easy Elegance series. Uh, these are in the backyard farmer garden and have been there for over 15 years. So they're very hardy. Um, they get up to about four feet tall and three feet wide. Um, and only, the only thing that has bothered it is those darn Japanese beetles. And the little white blooming one is cilantro. So this is a biennial. So first year, of course, it doesn't bloom. The second year it does and it is beloved by pollinators. All right, thanks, Kelly. All right, your first question on this round, Jody, is um, a sunny knockout rose, three years old, and she's got these funky looking things on the leaves. She thinks of some time, type of gall. Any issues yeah. with this? No, she's right. It's just pretty much cosmetic. All right, and then we had several, so two more pictures here that are <laughs> this. One was Central City and the other one here, uh, I'm not sure where this one is, but several that had these, uh, the rose leaves. What's wrong with the, what's wrong with the okay, roses? So for those rose pictures that were pretty brown, that's the rose slug sawfly. Right. And they may not even be there anymore, so there's no point in doing any treatment. But next year, go out early, like mid-May, and look for the little window painting in the leaves. And it's even before the, the roses start to, to bloom. Right. And, and then you can treat then. And remember, sawflies are immature wasps, so any, they're not caterpillars, so don't use BT. All right, and then two pictures on this next one. This comes to us from Washington County, south of Blair. It's blue indigo, uh, Baptisia, and all of a sudden it looks like this. What was that? Yeah, so this is a caterpillar, and we had this a couple years ago, but it's the Janista um, broom moth. So the caterpillars, basically, the eggs are laid on the underside of a leaf, like hundreds of them, and they come out and they start eating. So if you don't inspect those pretty early, that can be destroyed within days. So next year, you want to make sure that you go out and check those, and then if you want to treat, you can use BT for those caterpillars. But neither of these will kill the plants. So the roses and the baptisia, they're gonna be fine. All right, thanks. Terry, you actually have four picks uh, from this one. This is a Louisville viewer who has this patch of lawn that has turned brown after the second mow. It's two years old. The brown keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um, south side of the house, she sent us 
some other pictures here and um, she's just wondering what's going on here. So I really appreciate all the pictures. I zoomed into the dead. I could not see any disease. Sorry, Amy. <laughs> but um, I think that this is environmental. So it could be a handful of things. It could be um, too much heat coming off because I believe it said it was the south side. So maybe reflective heat. Um, it could be that even in the rains, it's not getting there because of, you know, the overhang from the, the roof and stuff. So um, and then if you are aerating, sometimes they don't get that close to the um, the buildings. So they could not it could be like a compacted area. So really make sure that you get water in there. Make sure you're aerating it this fall. Um, just really baby it and you should be okay. It should come out of it. All right. And one pick on this next one. This is Omaha. He's wondering, is this a weed or a tree? And we've told him both, but <laughs> how, do you, how do you get rid of it? And especially if trees like this are coming up in the lawn right now. So uh, the, again, the eye of the holder, this is a mulberry. So if it's in your landscape bed, then just the shovel and, pull, and dig it out. It's usually going to have a pretty deep tap root. If it's in your turf, then you're most likely just going to keep mowing it and you're going to take all of its energy away every time you mow it and it should just go away. All right. Thanks. Amy, two pictures on the first mm -hmm. one. Celebrity tomatoes, as soon as after they started to grow, the leaves began to curl. Six more are okay. The eight jet stars are fine. This is Kensington, Kansas. So this one, this is the only plant. Um, if you look at it, the picture isn't the best, but you see a lot of curling and twisting. Um, the first bet is to go toward herbicide, but since the rest of them are looking okay, I'm actually going to lean more toward viral, most likely with this, since none of the other tomatoes were impacted. With that being the case, you want to remove it out of your garden and throw it away. Do not put it in the compost pile. All right. And two picks on this next one. This is a Missouri Valley uh, viewer, Colorado Blue Spruce, 20 plus years old, top eight feet. Turning brown, he's wondering, can he cut it out or should he cut it down? These are the ones I really hate, I'm gonna be honest. 20 year old blue spruce, you've waited for so long, it's finally looking gorgeous and you get cytospora canker. Mm -hmm. um, so that top is dead. So you can top it, um, it will look funky depending on where it's at in your landscape, that's up to you. Otherwise you can remove the tree and start over again. All right, uh, Kelly, one picture for this first one. This is also a blue spruce. Um, it's growing two top shoots in different directions and neither is growing straight up. Can he prune and stake to get them to one or the other to become a leader? Yes, you can go ahead and do that. I would prune, one of them looks pretty straight, so I would prune the one off on the left, at least in the picture. And uh, the other one, you might not need to stake that other one. It might just kind of you know, take over and become the central leader. So I think I don't, it looks pretty straight. So I don't think staking sometimes you forget to take it off or it gets rubbing and you can cause a wound. So I prune off that left one and get rid of the co-dominant and it should, the other one should take over. All right, and your next one is a tricolor beech in Lincoln, 10 years old, healthy, normal, and then one branch is all dark green. And we actually had two people send us this. Oh, okay, so we refer to this as a reversion. So um, basically there's been a genetic change um, at the cellular level, I believe, um, in those branches. And the best thing to do is to, um, if you don't want it, go ahead and prune that out. Um, sometimes that can be triggered even by, by stress of the plant. 
Um, I have read where possibly it would only affect the leaves one year. So if this is the very first year it's done it, I suppose if you wanted to, you could wait till next year and see if those leaves are normal, but more, more likely it's going to continue to do this. And the ones that have reverted, that reversion, they're usually, they usually will outcompete the other ones. So the sooner and eventually you'll have more of the green and less of the variegated. So it's probably best to prune it out as you see it. All right, thanks Kelly. Well, we have had many, many questions about whether my tree or shrub will survive or is it dead? So we took our cameras out to show you some examples of what is dying where to try to help you decide if your tree or shrub will recover or is it time for a new one? We tell you to wait until June 1st to decide whether or not your tree or shrub is dead. It's June 1st, actually later than that. So if you have something like a relatively newer shrub, the Shrub Altheas or Rose of Sharon, and some pieces of it look like this, these are no longer viable. These are no longer alive, and it is time to go ahead and take them off. People ask us whether they can go ahead and prune and those will come back. The answer is no, that is not gonna happen either. We have hydrangeas on standard and regular old hydrangeas, some of which also had dead branches in them. A lot of plants on standard this year, hydrangeas, roses, even some other plants, absolutely the top did not remain hardy and it is gone. And so they're gonna come from the base. They're not gonna be the same shrub at all. We're also seeing the same thing with a lot of older and established shrubs, like these red twig dogwoods. They would have needed more moisture than they got. They're susceptible to disease if they're under stress. They're in an environment that's pretty tough. We have totally dead and we have partially dead, but some decent foliage. Spirea, surprisingly, the big older ones in particular, were also showing a lot of that damage or much smaller foliage. Some lilacs, same thing, take out those older canes. Nine bark, a lot of the nine bark really, really suffered this year. So look at those older established shrubs. Imagine back to what kind of conditions they were in and what kind of care they received. That's likely why you're not seeing that growth on those. We're getting a lot of questions, of course, about conifers, spruce, fir, arborvita, pines, all of those things that are evergreen in people's minds. This is a classic example now. We have people asking us, well, gosh, I'm seeing new growth on my spruce or my pine and then all of these other twigs, and the question is, will this recover? The answer is no. If it's like this, it's a former branch. If it's like this and has just a little bit of growth on it, it's never going to turn back into what you want it to be. So cut your losses, cut your trees, start over. If it's smaller damage, just a branch or two, you can try to figure out where to go back to that dead tissue and cut that branch out maybe you'll get something that still approximates what you had in mind. Dead tops in trees are the most problematic. We've gotten a lot of calls about river birch, the word river, of course, being important. Occasionally an oak, like this upright oak, and certainly a lot of maples, especially the newer maples, not the big old ones. But if you look here, we just don't have a viable leader. We have a lot of side branches that are poorly attached to begin with. We may have some planting issues. This will never rejuvenate itself. It doesn't matter how long you wait. So it's time to get that out of there. Remember that if it is dead, you can do the scratch test. If there is supposedly green tissue under it, but it snaps, this is a former branch or a former tree. 
So give it up, get it pruned out, take care of those trees and shrubs properly, and hopefully we will not have the same sort of damage next year. Obviously, some of what might be going on in your home landscape will be that wait and see basis, but we hope these examples will help you eliminate what is truly, truly dead. We have a whole bunch of announcements today. The first one is actually Wildflower Week, and uh, we are right in it as we speak. All sorts of things uh, going on on Wildflower Week. We still have the Benson Garden Walk, which is June 10th, 10 a.m., and that benefits Ob Omaha Public Library. Of course, East Campus Discovery Days, June 10th, we'll see you there. The Monroe Meyer Garden Walk is also going on in Omaha. And of course, we will be at Lauritsen Gardens on June 13th for a live show. So that'll be just fabulous for uh, all of us there. All right, we have a handful of questions left and not much time. So here we go, two pictures for you first here. This is from Cairo, Nebraska. Greenhouse that doesn't freeze over winter. They have pill bugs, diatomaceous earth, trap fruit, and kill them with a blue torch. Any other organic options or solutions? Um, well, that's probably not the best way to do it, especially if there's water and it gets wet. So maybe do some trapping and pull the mulch back because that's where the pill bugs and sow bugs are going to want to hide. You can do a pitfall trap or something or put some fruit out there so they go to that first. All right, uh, two picks on this next one. This is a, a Buffalo County. This is actually Kearney. And it is tomato plants that are volunteers, brought them back and then here came the aphids but then the hungry ladybugs also. Oh. All right, so. Well then that's pretty good. Okay. Um, the tomato plants will be able to withstand the aphids and if you don't do any treatment other than spray with a blast of the hose water, it'll probably be good for those beneficials to, to, to eat them, so that's good. <laughs> All right, Terry, two pictures on this. Uh, this is a uh, viewer from, let's see, not sure where on this, but uh, it's a weed spread profusely, taken over the woodland, seems to be dying, choking out the ground cover. Uh, they want to know what it is and what to do about it. So this is um, actually a spring flowering bulb. So this is Scylla. So it'll be beautiful blue. Um, some things that you can do, make sure that you mow it down so it does not go to seed. Um, you can hand pull them out if you don't have, if, depending on how many you have. Um, you can also use like a glyphosate or something to get rid of it if you have too many of them. But they will spread all over. Um, so they will spread by the roots, um, but make sure that you mow it down so no seeds because they'll spread even quicker by seed. All right, thank you. And one pick on this next one. This is a McCook, Nebraska viewer. This is growing in the alley behind the neighbor's yard. It is trying to invade her yard as well. So this is a verbena, so one of those tiny little ones, um, you know, ones that we plant for ornamental. So whether this was planted as an ornamental or not, I'm not for sure, but um, just keep digging it out. If it's coming underneath from your neighbor, you could, you can't really kill it because then it would kill the other part of the plant. So just keep digging it out and keeping it under control. All right, Amy, two pictures on this one. This mm -hmm. is an apple tree in a mead. It's a rubinet planted about three years ago. Concerned that they might be experiencing fire blight. If not that, what? It has been dry. They have been watering. It has not flowered yet. It's only three years old. So okay. there's the leaf thing. So because it hasn't flowered, it is not fire blight. The only way you can get fire blight is when the tree flowers and it's the honeybees or the bees, the pollinators transmit it back and forth. 
So looking at this leaf, I'm gonna to lean toward environmental at this point in time, keep watering it, keep doing the good maintenance that you have been doing on this tree. And thank you for looking ahead to make sure on what you could potentially be looking at. All right, thanks, Amy. You have two picks on the next one. Uh, this comes to us from Columbus, Kelly. <laughs> so it's a crab apple with yellowing leaves with spots on them. It's five years old, growing well otherwise. So these spots look like apple scab. Um, and once we get a lot of pressure, it will cause some premature defoliation and yellowing of the leaves. Um, overall, you know, the tree looks pretty healthy by that picture. There isn't a lot of yellowing that is occurring. So sanitation is gonna be the big thing. And if it's become a problem, you need to spray it next year as the leaves are emerging. And I think we've talked about it's kind of early for scab. It is a little early, but I don't know. I'm seeing some weeds that are blooming that I typically don't see in July. So I don't know, mother nature's playing tricks with us. All right, mm -hmm. Kelly, uh, one picture on this. This is a silver maple that came with the house. It didn't come back, they cut it to the ground, it grew back, another winter it blew down, now it grew back, now they have this, it's got four trunks, good, bad, ugly, cut it down or move. Um, yeah, <laughs> bad, not a good situation, especially since it's, you know, it's suckers and, you know, whenever that happens, you wanna either, ideally train it to a single trunk, but now you've got all those codominant trunks as they grow, they're gonna get larger, they're gonna get rubbed, they're gonna get cracks, you'll get water in there, you could get decay. The likelihood of a failure of this tree eventually could be pretty high, so. Start over. Start over? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then we have two picks on this next one. Uh, this comes to us from Glenwood, Iowa. There's a tree growing out of another tree. And I she know. wants to know whether she can cut that tree out and then put Tordon on the stump, or will that kill the existing tree mm -hmm. also? Yes, it will kill the existing tree. So don't cut that out and put Tordon in there. If you want to save that existing tree, it's pretty cool. It's a catalpa. It looks like it's already got fruit on such a small tree. So, but I would be more concerned about that large wound uh, that obviously has some decay in it. So you want to be monitoring that tree for signs of um, other issues that the, the, the decay is spreading. Yeah, and I think that was a Siberian elm from the looks of it. Yeah. So it's too yeah. bad that the uh, catalpa is the one that needs to go. That's right, because the catalpa is the good tree, the Siberian elm is not. Exactly. Mm -hmm.